I told him he can talk as long as we want. We all leave at ten, but he can yeah. leave as long as we want. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll I'll just be here if you guys just get bored and you just want to walk out. That's fine. I I get it. I mean, I I would too. <laughs> oh, it's a pleasure being here this morning. It it really is. I was I've known Rob for for quite a while, and um, we were going to New Life Assembly Church and. And uh, uh, it was funny. I don't know how many times uh, we'd be in the middle of the service, and and I, I'm sure I'm sure Rob did the same thing as us. We all of us kids, we'd look down to see where my dad is, and 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 you know I'm sure Rob and his family looked to see where their dad is, and of course they're standing in the foyer still talking right in the middle of the service. So you know I don't know if you get an O'Neill together and a Florel together, they don't shut up. So I'm sure you guys have all experienced that. So. Uh, let's pray. Lord God, I just want to thank you so much for this morning. And Lord, I just thank you for this church. And Lord, this is body of believers that, that are coming together. And Lord, we get to do this freely and openly, Lord, and in, in, in an amazing country. Lord, I just thank you for uh, just the, everybody that's here and that we're all here safely. Uh, Lord, I just pray for this message, God. And Lord, I just want to echo what Rob said as well, that, that your Holy Spirit will be here. Lord, that you're, you'll be here at work, working on our hearts. And, and Lord, I pray you soften our hearts for your word. Lord, I pray that our ears are open, Lord. And Lord, I pray that, uh, that, that your spirit will be here, Lord, to draw us closer to you, Lord. Lord, God, convict us of our sin and, and convict us of the times that we've uh, taken you for granted. And Lord, I just pray that for everybody, Lord, that was uh, that we prayed for this morning. And Lord, just that all of our bumps and bruises and all the hurts that we're going through. Lord, I, I just uh, just lift them up to you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Oh, so uh, I did, I spent a year in Wyoming. Is it okay if I move away from the mic? Can you still hear me? I don't want to be that guy, you know, that you can hear me, but then all of a sudden I move over there and it sounds like this, you know. Um, uh, so uh, anyways, uh, I spent a year in Wyoming as a, in, in uh, going to seminary. And uh, part of the uh, program that we got to do is we got to go to Israel, and that is that is a that is a, that's a, a lifetime trip. I learned more about the Bible just by seeing it and experiencing it than I do reading it, and uh, it's it's truly fascinating. You know, we went to we went to Capernaum, uh, where Jesus is hometown, and it's really funny because like when you pull into the town, it's this it's a you, you know you think it's going to be this grandeur thing, this big thing. But as you pull in, it's just a little piece of wood that says Capernaum, home of Jesus, you know, and 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 it's literally right on the, the, the Sea of Galilee. And you're thinking like, oh, the Sea of Galilee, man, it's got to be like this big thing, right? It's a sea. It's more like Harlan County. <laughs> so you're sitting there going like, wow, like this, this is it, you know, and it's that, that's it. That's it. And uh, probably like a stone's throw away. Um, you know, you, you get you you pull into the town, you you walk through, and you see where 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 uh, 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 Peter lived, and you know where they thought where they think that Peter lived, and you know then you see a, a, a synagogue, and you know where Jesus taught, and really fascinating. Just just like you're like wow, like this 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 is it, like this is it. This Jesus was here. You know, and then about a, you know then you get back on the bus and you go up the road, you know, from here to Sumner and. And the next thing you know, you're there's this little area where there's where the where there's now a church that's built, and it's the spot where Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. 
And what's really neat is that the 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 what our instructor he um he he you know he we we stood on top of this little area we looked over the Sea of Galilee and and we're all standing there and all of a sudden our instructor disappears and he kind of, then he we see him walk down and he goes if you come down here you'll see something that's really neat and and um anyways uh we we sat there we w- went down this little hair this little hill and he stood back and you know he. He stepped back and he said, can you hear me? And we're like, wow, like, yeah, we can hear you. And he goes, a lot of people think that this is where the Sermon on the Mount was delivered. And it was really neat areas, kind of concave like this. You can just, you know, it's just, you can just echo, hear the echo. What was really fascinating is that, you know, like this, how, how time just continues to move in Israel, just from that time of Christ when, you know, like, you know, now where we, where we would have, where thousands of people would have sat and stood now is a banana crop <laughs> or some kind of crop. And, you know, it's just really neat. And then, you know, then he, then he, you know, we got into the history of, of, of that area and whatnot and just how, how, um, um, you know, things have changed. And, uh, you know, one thing that hasn't changed though, is, is that, is, is, is that sermon on the mountain, how it still rings true to us today. Uh, uh, long time ago, uh, the magazine called Psychology Today sent out a survey of 52,000 to their 52,000 subscribers, asking them, telling them that they had found happiness and how they believed that they had found happiness. Well, as you can imagine, responses flooded in from all over the country. Those replying from the poorer economic scale dreamed of winning the, the lottery, right? And you know, this actually was favored was one of their biggest one things they'd hoped that would come true. Many respondents equated happiness to winning the lottery ticket. And, you know, those people really needed to take a closer look of the lives of some of the lottery winners. And if you do your uh, study on some of those winners, uh, you've, you've, you, you might find out that it's not as great as it seems. One guy won nearly $8 million in the Pennsylvania lottery. Within a year, his, life, his wife left him, winning alimony and child support that would eventually cost him about a million dollars. His landlady sued him for 30% of the winnings, and, and she won in court. And his own brother and sister-in-law were indicted and imprisoned for trying to hire someone to kill him to attempt to get his money. Now, there's a happy man. Like, wow. Strike it rich, buddy. You know, respondents from the survey who were, who were in the wealthier category complained that they didn't have enough money to be truly happy. And in fact, many of them complained of, boredom as you can imagine you know answers also uh, more answers poured in from different geographical regions of the country as well and you might expect those living in florida to be happier than those living in north dakota but that wasn't the case at all in the final summary people everywhere were either mixed up tired bored angry disillusioned and confused and one fact one man wrote i have listed i have listed the reasons why i think i found happiness please confirm if i have you know, frankly, it didn't matter who you, who they were, how much money they made, or where they lived. They all wanted something more, or something less, and something different, or something else. You know, that's 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 what we call the greener grass myth, which causes every honest person to admit, wondering if if there is something out there in life that will bring them lasting satisfaction. You know, and it's so true. In reality, the word happiness betrays the same myth. Happiness has Middle English root word, is which is hap, 
which is also found in the word happening. You know, in other words, happiness depends on what happens, right? Isn't that true? Isn't that true? You know, like what happens? You know, this, you know, coming up here, we got the fall season. We got the football, Husker football season. We're all wondering what's going to happen, right? You know, you, you always ask somebody, hey, what do you think of this new Matt Rule guy? I think he's going he's gonna to get it done, isn't he? Well, I guess we'll have to see what happens. You know, that's always the response that you get. You know, and, and you know, the, I you know, I think that it's ironic that the middle middle letter in the uh, English word happiness is the letter I. Isn't that something? Isn't that funny? If you spell it, it took me about a lot of years to figure out how to spell happiness. You know, they find that I right there, H A P P I N E S S. You know, to to most people, the state of being happy re- revolves around I, me, and my. You know, what's going to happen to me, what's going to happen to my family, my health, you know, what am I getting, what am I getting out of my job, you know, what's happening to my life savings, what's going to happen to my plans, my dreams, you know, happiness is the human, happiness to the human heart is all about me and mine, you know, this means that we are the greatest obstacle blocking our true, genuine, blessed living, isn't that right? It's all, it's all about what's in front of us, and it's all on us, honestly. You know, this meaning that we are the greatest obstacle blocking our true, genuine, blessed living. You know, and it's really funny is that one fascinating thing is that this is Jesus' first sermon, and it's the Sermon on the Mount, you know, and it identifies abiding happiness and how to discover it. You know, and it's really funny, you know, the, the, we have this called the Beatitudes, you know, and, uh, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, we find in Matthew 5, nine times in the verse, Jesus will, choose, Jesus will use the word happiness. It's translated from blessed. And that Greek word is makarios. And it means fortunate, blessed, or happy. You know, Jesus is going to, Jesus is going to turn everybody's world upside down. And it's really funny. Uh, Jesus, Jesus looked through the first... Sorry, Jesus looked through the first few statements and Jesus makes makes about happiness in this chapter. Verse three is blessed are the poor in spirit. Verse four, blessed are those who mourn. And in verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted. You know, so what does that mean? You got to be, you know, like, how does this work as as you go through this? And and why is why is it going to turn everybody upside down? Is because, you know, we, you know, just like I said a little bit ago, you know, happiness is about me. Happiness is about what I want and how am I going to get it? You know, uh, everybody, as Jesus got up and he started talking, everybody was beside themselves when he first started talking. In Matthew 7, 29, you know, for he was teaching to them as if he had authority as their scribes. You know, the scribes are quoted from tradition, quoted to other scribes, and expounded on the words of famous rabbis of history. You know, so everybody would get up and they would talk about, you know, hey, this is this is what uh, Pastor Bob used to say. We're going to quote from Pastor Bob. And everybody's like, oh, yeah. Is that that guy from Axtell? He's a good dude. You know, so that's that was their tradition. But Jesus got up and he started saying things like, you know, you've heard it said, but I say to you. So that rattled everybody. Everybody was sitting there going, whoa, like, who's this guy? You know, this Jesus guy, you know, so he starts getting up there and he starts saying, I say to you, furthermore, Jesus 
calls God his own father, and he starts telling everybody that, that he is God's son. Now, that was another big, big thing. That was a big, like that, like, that rattled everybody too. Not only that, but Jesus refers to himself as the final judge who actually will determine who gets into heaven. It's no surprise that the crowd was, matter of factly, just dumbfounded because like, oh boy, here, this is what he, he just dropped the mic on us right here. But yet, but yet there's more to come. Arresting the attention of the crowd at the very beginning of this sermon was the fact that Jesus claimed to know how to find elusive element of life in a mankind, and that's genuine happiness. You know, one thing you got to think about here in the culture of these people was what was going on in their country. You know, for one, you're, you know, as, as, a, as a small Jewish boy, you're going to, you're going to uh, the synagogue to learn, and you're sitting there and you're listening to rabbis teach. You know, and you're, they're, they're pretty, pretty much being, having the Old Testament drilled into them, telling them how this is going. And also, too, you also had Roman culture that was flooding the area. And everybody did not like the Romans. And, and, and everybody was rebelling against the Romans. And so now you got Jesus coming onto the scene, you know, bringing, bringing, delivering this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. You know, but yet was, you know, as, as you know, and, and now Jesus is talking about, Blessed are these, blessed are those, happy is this, and happy is that. You know, we in America, we claim to, to, ha to have the pursuit of happiness, to, you know, to know all about the pursuit of happiness, you know, made from, uh, you know, our forefathers, America. Yeah, you know, yeah, you want to be happy. It's, it's in America, right? Well, you know, think of, this, think of it this way. This is what Benjamin Franklin wrote. He wrote, please note that the Constitution only gives people the right to pursue happiness, but you have to catch it yourself. And isn't that funny? We live in a culture that if, if wants, right? Hey, you want, you want a, the latest and greatest? Well, you know, you got to go, uh, go get your haircut by Bob if you want to look good. Or, you know, you want to eat good? Let's go to Burger King. Ah, no. Hey, McDonald's here. You really want to eat good? You come to McDonald's. You really want to be happy? You go here, you go there. It is just flooded, just how our culture is just, you know, you want to be happy? Here it is. You know, the trouble is sometimes we think we caught happiness by the collar, but over time it doesn't measure up. Here's a quick funny story. In New York City, there's at least 8 million cats and counting. You know, the city is basically concrete and steel. And so when those who live in the city, when their pets die, they just can't go throw them in the backyard and bury them. The city charges a fee of $50 to remove the carcass. Do I have your attention yet? You know? <laughs> One rather enterprising woman thought that, hey, I can help people with this. You know, she placed an ad in the newspaper that when your pet cat dies, I'll take care of it for only 25 bucks. Since this is a half-price city fee, the phone begins to ring and it's ringing off the hook. But this is where the, back, this is where the business basically works. The woman, she would go to the local Salvation Army and she'd buy a suitcase for 2 or $3. And when someone called for her services, she went to... She went home and carefully placed the, the, the cat in the suitcase, and she would, she would then take a ride on the subway early, early in, the e in the evening, which is a perfect time for pickpockets and thieves, and she'd place the suitcase near the door of the car. A thief would come by when the door opens and steal the suitcase, and she would yell, Oh, stop, there's a thief. And what a surprise for the thief. Isn't that something? The truth is, is that, you know, that's sometimes we, we take that bait. The truth is, is, while the world is running after suitcases, you know, the thought of the, you know, the thought that we're going to find happiness, but when we open it, it's only a dead cat. 
you know, I just, I, that's happened to me a thousand times, you know, like, oh, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be happy now. I'm going to have this. No, it's a dead cat. You know, nearly 2000 years ago, Christ delivered the news on how and where people can actually find genuine lasting happiness and is, and just, just, and just so no one would miss this. He gave several descriptions on who, on who for the people to find it. You know, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and then he sat down. And the disciples came and they sat next to him in Matthew 5, 1 through 2. In the traditional posture, a rabbi would sit. He was, you know, he'd be, he'd be seated. And when he sat down and thought it was, it was, and taught it, taught it as, if, as if it was official business. Even to this day, we refer to professors occupying a chair in the academic world or the chair was endowed for teaching of some aspect of learning. We understand that the chairman is the official spokesperson of the board or of, of a committee. Or the phrase, he opened his mouth, is a Greek expression used to describe weighty statements. You know, these statements by Jesus were, were called the Beatitudes. In the most Bible outlines, they, the world plainly means supreme happiness. You know, Jesus will deliver surprising news to the, to the happiness or to, that true happiness has nothing to do with the external situation. It has everything to do with the internal spirit. You know, what we discover in these Beatitudes are the keys to overcoming the me-attitudes and those who which stand in the way of genuine happiness. You know, so the reason why Jesus, you know, the reason uh, Christ's first statement stunned the minds of the crowd and rocked the world is in Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For a long time, I'm sitting there going, Bleh. okay, so I, you know, I, I, okay, so I hear, I hear all these pastors talk about the Beatitudes, and I read it, and still I'm dumbfounded. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? Okay, yeah, you're poor in spirit. All right. You know, and, 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 and here I am thinking that's external, right? Has to deal with the external of your life. You know, like, okay, all right. But then all of a sudden I'm sitting there now as I as you grow older and you get wisdom, you get really smart and you lose your hair, you know, you're kind of sitting there going, oh, internal. Oh, okay, here we go. So these people had been hearing from rabbis for generations. Blessed are the perfect in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All right, so blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So you kind of gotta reverse it, right? You know, lefty loosey, righty tidy. That was another big one that I had to learn the hard way, you know. Uh, these people, you know, would be hearing from generations that, you know, from rabbis, blessed are the perfect in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But what Christ is actually saying, in effect, blessed are those who recognize they, have, they are not perfect in spirit. Now, just what does poor in spirit mean? Well, the word translated poor is takas which is extremely descriptive of someone facing total bankruptcy. You know, on Christ's day, you know, this word would be used for a person who is a beggar. You know, it, 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 it is referred to a kind of poverty so deep that the person needing help is, is, is needing help just to survive. Literally, he would be entirely dependent on someone else for everything else. You know, poverty of spirit is realizing Romans 7, 18. And I know there's nothing good that lives in me that is in my sinful nature. You know, Bob Florell is sinful in nature and he needs a savior. 
He needs God. He needs Christ. He needs to just to get through his through his day. He needs Jesus. You know, so that's what we're seeing here. You know, I, I want to do the right thing, but I can't. I want to I want to be perfect, but I can't. How many of you guys live that way? I, I want to be perfect. I just want things to go right. I want to I want to have my stuff together for once. I'm right there. And we completely, utterly are dependent upon Christ for everything, right? I mean, not just not just your spiritual life, right? I mean, also, I, I think of physical stuff too. You know, probably one of the hardest things that I've ever, that has ever happened to me was the day my, my kids were born. I'm sitting there going, oh, I got to feed them. <laughs> oh, I got you know, the, you know the, the nurses come walking in and you got this precious baby and hands it to you. And, you know, here you go, Bob. You know, you, you, oh, wow, you look just like me. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, you know, the, you sit there and you joke to the nurse, and which I do. You know, it's like, hey, you know, so what do I do now? Well, you got to keep it alive. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? You know, and so now, now, now I'm just saying, because there's a lot that could go wrong. There's a lot that can go wrong. I, I, I remember every single bump and bruise of my kid because I'm sitting in the hospital bawling my eyes. I don't know what to do. I'm so sorry. You know, and I'm going, oh my gosh, Lord, what, what am I? What do I do? And and, and, and also too, you know, I think of, I think of, you know for you know, the big one. You know, one thing that I think about a lot is is you know is, is the farmers. Is what you got? You know, the farmers and ranchers up here. You got a lot. You know, not only you're raising kids, but you're raising the crop. You're raising all this. You know, you. You know, it's just a lot that goes on. And it's all out of your control. You know, and that's the big thing. It's, it's all out of our control, isn't it? It's so true. You, you put the corn on the ground, you put the beans on the ground, and you just say, okay, hope it rains. You know, or, or all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you dump your hay bale in and you give it to the cow. All right, we'll eat. You know, I hope you get fat. It's, just, it's, it's amazing, you know, and, then, and it's all out of our control. It's, it is something that we cannot, you know, we cannot, you know, it, you know it, I, can, I, can't, I can't do it. But thankfully, we have a God who does. You know, as a result, only the spiritually bankrupt inherit the kingdom of heaven because they are the ones who entrust their spiritual future to Christ alone. You know, Thomas Watson, a, a wonderful Puritan pastor, wrote this in the text. This signifies those who brought... Those who are, are brought to the sense of their sins and seeing no goodness in themselves, despair in themselves and appear wholly to the mercy of God and Christ. You know, he went on to say this as well. Until we are poor in spirit, we cannot receive grace for we are swollen with self-excellency and self-sufficiency. You know, in the hand, think of it this way. If the handful of pebbles cannot, re cannot receive gold until we are poor in spirit, Christ is never precious. We are, we are only, we only see our wants and never see Christ's worth. I'll read that again. He went on to say this, until we are poor in spirit, we cannot receive grace for we are swollen with self-excellency and we're fallen with self-sufficiency that if we had a handful of pebbles, it cannot receive gold until we are poor in spirit and Christ is never precious. We only want our wants and never see Christ's worth. You know, the world would say, happy is the man who's always right. Blessed is the man who have it all together, right? How many times do we do that? 
You know, we, we, we look at, we look at ourselves and we just go, huh? You know, then we look across the, we look across the road. We look across the, you know, our neighbor and go, man, they really got it together. Don't they? Man, look at Bob. Isn't he just the most good looking dude? Oh man, he's driving a 2008 Ford Taurus, man. Wish I had a 2008 Ford Taurus, you know? It, 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 when, we, when we do that, we say, that's where we really start idolizing other things. That's where we really start idolizing our hearts. We idolize that because that's what we want. We want to be the person that has their life together. We want to be that person that has the 2008 Ford Taurus. We do, nothing's precious to us. You know, yet Christ effectively says, but I say unto you, blessed are those whose hands are empty. Blessed are those guys whose hands are empty and they recognize they're spiritually bankrupt and they are the ones who are, gonna, who, are on the road, who are on the road to genuine happiness because they realize that they need me. They realize that they need Christ in their life. And that is, that is something that I've found myself going, man, you're right. Like this is, <laughs> and yeah, I need to start giving this to, you know, to the Lord. You know, the, word and the, the words and spirit refer to the inner man and not the body. The inner person begs for the strength of Christ and the inner man is humble and contrite of spirit and trembles at the word at the words of Isaiah 66 too. The Lord saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 34:18 says, "The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken contrite heart, O God, you will not despise." Psalms 51:17. This fundamentally is the difference between the hypocrite and the child of God. The hypocrite will boast about his externally, his, his externally, and yet a true child of God mourns at the lacks of his internally. Think of it this way. A hypocrite is happy because he is so good. You know, we see this in Luke uh, chapter 18, verses 9 through 4. He went into the temple to pray, and he reminded God, of just how good he is, just how he fasted, he tithed, he acted honorably. But the tax collector, who was also there, merely reminded God of how bad he is and how bad he cried out like a bankrupt beggar. And God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. Lord, I am a sinner. The humble man inherited the kingdom of heaven. You know, I like to think of it this way. One of the stories, so we have, I don't know, we... When you become a dad and you dedic- you know, you do your baby dedication at our church, they give us this, the, the, the Jesus Storybook Bible, right? And anyways, uh, um, one of the stories that I grew up as a kid was the Zacchaeus story, right? You know, come on, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Am I the only one? Rob, have you not sing that song? <laughs> come on. So... <laughs> But I love the story of Zacchaeus, right? You know, he not only was he a, a wee little man, but he climbed a sycamore tree. And I love that story because, because I like to read between the lines. And if you dig deep into, the, into your Bible, you find out that all those tax collectors probably ran together, right? You know, so, we, so one of the disciples was Matthew. And if you, I think if you, dig in, if you dig into that story, you know, you, you kind of find out that, that, you know, I'm sure... I'm sure they all had dinner together, and I'm sure Jesus showed up, you know, and I'm sure it's one of those meetings where, you know, you're sitting there, you're a tax collector, and, you know, hey, Matthew invited me, we're having, you know, steak sandwiches, and, and then all of a sudden, hey, this Jesus guy comes, he starts talking, and he just captivates the room, 
And I'm sure Zacchaeus was sitting there going, you probably kept his mouth shut because I'm sure to be a tax collector, you had to be a people reader. You had to know what was going on. And it's probably just sitting there just listening and, huh. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. You know, and then, then, then I'm sure, I'm sure the Holy Spirit moved around and probably got a hold of Zacchaeus and, and, you know, and then, and then all of a sudden, you know, Zacchaeus goes back to his tax stand and, you know, and he's sitting there and he's, and he's sitting there and he, and, and he finds out that, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus is coming to town. Oh, wow. All right. You know, so I'm sure he gets there and, and you know, how tax collectors are treated. They're not treated right. You know, they're treated terribly, rightfully so, right? And so what's he do? He climbs a tree. He gets up there and he's sitting there and he's trying to figure out, hey, where's Jesus at? And then all of a sudden, hey, Zacchaeus, what, you know, hey, I, I want to come to your house. Oh, my gosh, it's you. <laughs> You know, so I'm sure they sit there, and you know they get they get to his house, and well, you you just see this beautiful story unfold. You see this guy who 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 raked people over the coals, who took advantage of people, realized that you know the things that he'd done, these terrible, horrible things that he's done, and now all of a sudden he's like, oh wow, like what? Well, you know what, Jesus, I I did it wrong. And, you know, I don't want to do it right. And, you know, and you see, you see, he goes, he not only does he pay he paid more back than he took. You know, and, and, then, and it's just to think about the words that Jesus said to him, just as they were done. He said, man, man, Zacchaeus, I am so happy for you. Salvation just came to this house today. Salvation just came to this house today. You realize that, you know, how sinful you were. You realize that you were bankrupt. You realize that you needed a Savior. Salvation just came to this house you know, just to, to think of it, not only that, but also when, you know, when, 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 you know, when you get to heaven and you long to hear Christ say these words to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. You did it. You did it. And just, just, just imagine just that, that moment, you know, it's just and for these guys, you know, it, it, the, the beautiful thing is when you read, when you, when you read the Bible and you dig into it, you get to see between the lines. You really get to realize just how some of these guys were, how 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 smart you had to be, and also too how you just had to how you just have to humble yourself before God and just get, offer it to Him. You know, you know, just you know, just how how you real how you got to realize and you really got to apply. You know, like okay, God, I'm just gonna take that step of faith, and I'm and I'm and I'm gonna just un- unload to you. I'm gonna unload. You know. And, and, and humble myself and cry out to you as a bankrupt beggar. And, how you, and, and that's got to be so hard. You know, so, so this, you know, this is, this is the, so this agony of spirit happens to be a wonderful evidence of Christ's work in your heart is when you realize that you have nothing to back, you know, fall back on but Christ. You know, imagine Christ's promise of the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This pronouncement is such fantastic news. It's not a wish, but a reality. And, and it's also ours. And, the, and the, we have that, that pronoun of, you know, of, of just giving it to, uh, to God alone. You know, so who does the kingdom of heaven belong to? It belongs to the poor in spirit. Not only in the past tense, but also now. That means that we are not talking about the millennial kingdom. We're not talking about the future reign of Christ, but we're also talking about now. It is ours now when we submit and give our lives to Christ, when we lay it down to him. You know, think of it this way. One author wrote that the future millennium in which the kingdom promises to become fully blown, full on blown, fully, sorry, full blown, 
fully realized, but the kingdom has a past tense nuance. The reign of Christ in your life is now. His reign has a future messianic aspect, but it has a right now aspect, and we are right now a kingdom of priests. We are right now subjects of Christ. You know, so as I close with this message, yeah, I, you know, I like to I like to think of it this way. If you could break this all down, uh, you know, as you as you as as we think about this, you know, we got to think about our commitment to God. You know, when will when will the will of God be confusing? It's always going to be confusing, won't it? You know, there's there's a there's a song out there right now. I think it's Casting Crowns. You know, and the the opening line is, "I don't want to write this song." I, I don't I don't know what you're doing. Like, this is so hard. You know, but think of it this way. You know, and think about think about I, I, gosh, I think it's I think it's in Galatians where it talks about the hall of the people, the, the pastors call it the hall of fame of the faith. But I like to think of it, you know, as as and that's how I think of it too, but I but also just think about the people of the past. You know, Noah. Think of Noah. I'm sure that's that's hard to believe, but you know Noah. He built a built a boat in the middle of a desert. Abraham, when he was called to obey, called uh, ob- called to obey God by going to a place where he had never been to. Um, Moses, you know, happening happening to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, and also too, just I think of Joseph. Story of Joseph and the coat of many colors. Man, you know, it gets 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 beat up by his brothers, thrown in a well, then sold into slavery. And, you know, now next thing you know, he where he where he winds up running Egypt. Noah eventually started to reign. He loaded everybody up on the ark. Still trying to figure out snakes, though. Why did he let snakes on? And mosquitoes. I don't know. That's another one. Uh Abraham, things worked out for him. Moses, it was tough, but you know, he he really, really got to see God at work. So it's always going to be confusing. But you got to stay committed. It's like lifting weights. I see some young people out there. I see some young guys out in here. It's like lifting weights. Man, you're going to be sore. You're going to be complaining. You're going to ask your mom, why? Why, 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 mom and dad, are you making me lift weights? Why am I doing this? But yes, stay committed. Persistence. When the will of God is confusing and it's painful, you know, you got to stay with it. Obedience. You know, when the will of God is obvious, there's the, there's the, the, these three are surprising pathways to happiness. You know, it's always going to be hard. It's always going to be confusing. But you know what, though? When you, st- when you humble yourself before God and before Christ and you go through the motion and you go through it, you're going to see God at work. And you're going to look back one day and you're going to go, man, I'm so thankful I followed God. I'm so thankful that, that he, you know, I, I, I can look back and I could see, his, see him at work. You know, so many times where I sat there and, you know, the hospital or the doctor's office or, or sitting there figuring out where, you know, words, Lord, how am I going to pay these bills? Next thing you know, God will take care of you. So let me, let me close in prayer. Lord God, I thank you so much. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, you are a you are a path, and your your word is a light 
and the path for our feet. And Lord, your, your word is also a, an amazing guide. Lord, I just pray that as we uh, continue throughout this week, that you'll be with us, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'll continue to, to show us how to draw closer to you. Lord, I pray that we stay persistent, committed, and obedient to you, Lord. Because, Lord, when we do that, we will definitely see you at work. Lord, I thank you for those who are before us that, that showed us the way, not only those in the, in the Bible, but also in our life, Lord, our, our, great, our grandparents and great-grandparents and our ancestors that, that, that held on to you and your word, God. Lord, I just pray that uh, as we continue throughout this week that you'll guide us and, and take care of us and show us the way, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen.